everyone, and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. I'm here. I just want to make sure that everything's muted because it's Friday and things are hopping. I don't know. I'm not getting any notifications. Why do you need to be muted? Isn't the whole point of being on no. a podcast that you're not muted? My phone. My phone. Oh. Um, making oh, sure that, okay. you know, we, we're professionals. We do this a lot. Uh, but there's always that, that 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 chance that maybe you forgot to be professional, uh, <laughs> which is something that happens on occasion. Now you've got me all, like, worried. Okay, no, I'm on alarms only. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Wait, what if you have an alarm set? Is there anything you'd need to wake up for? <laughs> Not at 8 p.m. If I'm <laughs> still in bed at 8 p.m., that's a problem. <laughs> or what if, well, what if you went to bed early? I've definitely, have you ever gone down for a nap at, like, 7 o'clock and then you wake up and it's 9 and you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, I've definitely done Normally that. Normally, if I make the mistake of having a nap when I get home from work, that then means I'm up until like 4 a.m. because I was stupid and slept for a couple hours. Oh man, no! Like I'll just, I'll just go. I'll wake up for an hour and putter around. It's like I have a stomachache. I'm going back to bed. Because <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens. But I'm glad we're here. I have no good segue into asking you from naps to destiny, unless <laughs> destiny is boring you into a nap. I don't know, but uh, how you got some more time in Destiny Two Warmind? So, uh, what are you thinking there? <laughs> I jump back in. I don't want to sound. I don't want to like be super negative or anything, but it's not a lot of content for me personally. Um, I explored I heard very hard. I heard that like the. People who are like the serious destiny raiders at the right. highest difficulty, whatever that happens to be, are not able to complete it right now. Yeah. And that's that's true. Like as I pop into the game, like I'm not a hardcore raider, but there are gear levels. So I haven't been able to try the strikes, uh, which are the dungeons. I, I did a bit of PvP, but the strikes are locked. Not locked, but they're the playlist is locked to a I think it's a 350 gear level, and I'm only like 340, so I'm close. But yeah, um, and they do that to kind of spread the content out a, a little bit because I played maybe about five hours total, and I've experienced the entirety of the campaign as well as a couple of extra missions that pop up. So they, they let you do the campaign, which is kind of like a level-by-level level beat, you know, so on and so forth. But then after you complete the campaign... It, it goes into like extra innings so you'll get more quests from the main deliverer okay. but they're mostly like fetch quests or glorified fill the bar type quests um they i think they call them pursuits so you get a couple items and it's like hey with this item kill a bunch of this enemy type kill a bunch of this enemy type with this weapon and and that's what i'm working on right now so that it encourages you to explore what's new in the mode like do a couple of patrols on mars do some heroic adventures like they're all there to get you to do the content and gear up but there's just there's just not enough of it there like when they add an expansion and i mean let's just call it what it is it's just dlc it's not an expansion we covered that last right. week but what yeah. they do is with the dlc they add a little bit to everything so to me, as a, as a player who has limited time and only wants to go in and experience, you know, campaign and story and, and um, maybe a little bit of the strikes and try the raid, 
there's not a whole there's there's content that I'm not even going to touch with the PVP maps. And mind you, they've only added two additional PVP maps. But when you take out you know a chunk of a very small pie, it's like guess what? Like that small pie has now gotten even smaller. So yeah. it's it's a little frustrating. And this is not new to to Destiny. That this happens every every year. And and by no means should I even be allowed to complain at this pump <laughs> at this point. But uh, it's just it makes me not want to buy the DLC for these games anymore. Like, I think this is the last time Destiny gets season pass money from me, at least mm. up front. Um, I just never played the expansions to to the point where I was, uh, you know, getting my money's worth. Um, but uh, the strikes are, are, are locked behind a playlist, but the playlist doesn't give you just Warmind strikes. It's uh, it's it's all the strikes from the main game as well as oh, the, okay. The adi- so is there when you say playlist, mm-hmm. is that like everything that you can choose between? Like, is there a way to say I only want the new ones, or is it just like a random option every time? It's a random uh, option. So you jump into, you click on the playlist, and it's like heroic strike playlist, and then it'll queue up a random strike from a list that are available in the game Mm. and it's the same thing for pvp so i was streaming last week and i thought oh i'll jump into crucible which is the pvp mode to see if i could you know try some of the new maps and i jump in and i played a a two or three rounds and i still didn't get a a new map and i was kind of like well i'm not i don't like pvp i just want to see the new maps so i can talk about them but Mm -hmm. it didn't give me the new maps and i was like well okay i'm screw this but I like Destiny 2. I just think the way they're adding content to it is just too piecemeal. It's too little, you know, to add to the game. I like the story. I like what they're alluding to and that they've... This isn't really a spoiler because, honestly, the story in Destiny is like... There's more of it on Reddit than there is in the game. Um, They've kind of semi-addressed like a major plot point left open in the first game which was the random MacGuffin robot that keeps showing up from the future saying you have to save the future you have to save the future and and they kind of allude to the fact that this robot is the sister of uh the the chick in 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 the new expansion um in that she went through this like exo robot procedure but again this is all it's all conjecture from a website it's not in Mm. the game or it's a tooltip in the game so you can easily miss it so right uh, i again like i was hoping destiny 2 would be different but it's not and i think expecting things to change when they keep repeating themselves is like it's not the definition of insanity because that's not the saying but like it's just expecting it to be different when it's just going to be the same thing over and over again is kind of like it's not healthy so we'll see we'll see what it's happens the same as me and the sims <laughs> right so and and i was about to say like you know follow up following up on that it's like i'm excited to see what destiny 2 does with the large proper expansion that is supposedly coming out in september because they do a you know they do the main game two expansions then they do like a like a larger expand paid expansion. I was going to say, yeah, what do they even call it? If they've used up the expansion word on DLC, then what do they call their actual traditional expansion? Uh, <laughs> I think we tried to determine this last week, but I think it's just destiny to colon, whatever, uh, mm. e- because Warmind is technically expansion to Warmind. So other, otherwise, yeah, they, they, uh, <laughs> I was about to say something terrible, but, 
No, I was about to do it again. What they did was they kind of ruined their chance to, to use expansion properly by wasting it on expansion pass, you know, because these, these are not expansions. So yeah. I, at E3, we should get a hint at what the September up or September content looks like. It's not going to be a patch. It'll be a major, I'm assuming like the Taken King, a major addition. And I really, really like the Taken King. It was $40 well spent. It was an expansion that was worth experiencing and it, it changed a lot about the main game for the better uh and i hope they do that again because i want to see that refresh and the other thing too is that the raid content in warmind is an additional layer so think of it as a, a dungeon wing and the thing is like that dungeon wing lo- is like what you would expect a dungeon wing to look like it looks like the other dungeons you have already done so there's no mm-hmm. new palette it, it looks like callus's temple which is like gold and purple and it just all looks the same. Different encounters, different mechanics, but the look and feel, like when you have so many other planets to play with, you keep going back to the well of this like purple and gold temple in it. I, I get it. You, you're trying to create this feel of a, a, dun- or a dungeon or a raid that expands over time, but I, I want to see more more visits to these like caverns on Mars and, and, and the moon and stuff. And I, I just don't think they've taken full advantage of the solar system i mean it's (laughs) it's it's weird a game about space and the universe and they just they're they're exploring unknowns but they're not kind of using the terrain of of planets that that people know and love to the to the ability they could so it's it's weird but um you know they they released a roadmap for Destiny Two and it, it and it kind of shows like what's happening over the next couple of months and then September is literally like Year Two Season One, and it's got a listing of a bunch of stuff they're adding and changing as well as like more features to be revealed and and from what I've heard E Three is usually when they kind of show that off at one of the um, console um, presentations so we'll find out soon enough and and I will temper expectations as best I can during Gamer Christmas, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely see. Well, nothing that you have said since mm. the beginning of talking about Destiny 2 has made me think that it is going to be anything that I would be interested in, so maybe no. E3 will change my mind, it but won't. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> It's not, it's not right. a game... <laughs> I don't think it's a game... Like, expecting it to, to suddenly cater to every gamer out there is is uh is not likely you know and a lot of people say well it's wow but it's a shooter it's like but it's not because wow is very different from what destiny it's got the same it borrows some of the same mechanics but it kind of doesn't do them justice like wow does right so that that comparison is flawed but um unless they drastically change destiny which they won't uh, I, i think i think your impressions of destiny one when we first played uh is is probably it still stands right yeah so, but i know there are fans of destiny out there who listen to the show and i i will continue to to talk about destiny as as long as i um there's new content to explore so tune back in in september when there's new content to explore and um we'll we'll be on this journey of disappointment together so <laughs> <laughs> oh man well Okay, so after, <laughs> after that comment, I mean, I, I was going to say at least we have something to talk about that isn't disappointing, but I don't actually know what you thought of the demo. So both Ryan and I 
played Detroit Become Human. There's a mm-hmm. there's a demo scenario that's available on PS4 right now. The game itself launches, I believe, a week from today. I think it's um, May 25th. Yeah, next Friday. And, oh, well, yeah, yeah, it's Friday today. Sorry. Friday today, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Guys, I'm just, Ryan doesn't I, know. Ryan doesn't know where he is or what's happening right now. <laughs> I don't. I'm. I. I'm here though. I've, I I may have gotten too much sun today. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, Detroit Become Human is from the makers of Heavy Rain, if I recall correctly, yeah. and that is a game that came out before I owned a PlayStation. So I've never actually played it, and I'm actually tempted to get the deluxe edition of Detroit Become Human because it comes with mm. a copy of Heavy Rain. Oh, really? And I heard the I I heard good things about it. I think okay, I played Heavy Rain. I mean, Kearney might have it because I'm pretty sure someone bought it, or maybe we rented it. It was a long time ago. It came out a long time ago. I think they're. It did, yeah. I think they re-released it on PS4. Is that what you get with the with the deluxe edition? I think there's some other stuff too, but mm. yeah, heavy a copy of Heavy Rain is definitely included in the uh, deluxe edition. Yeah, and beyond super souls or whatever the hell it's called is the other game that they made and it's currently free with playstation plus so if you have playstation plus you could check it's not as good i i don't i did i never played it but i hear it's not as good as the other one you talked about heavy rain i already talked about i already forgot it so yeah it's not as good as heavy rain but it's got willem dafoe in it and you can make that you, he's he's delightful so <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, but yeah, so the demo is available right now, so mm-hmm. you can play it for the next week. Um, it's one scenario, so you kind of, um, you come in to a home and you're like a hostage negotiator mm-hmm. and you have to investigate the scene and then the scene plays out and it's replayable. Um, I think I played it through three different times. Um cool. But yeah, so it is it's it's replayable and you can try to go different paths each time. Um, overall, it's it was really interesting and I liked the aesthetics and I didn't look into it enough to see if I could change the controls because I found the controls really frustrating um, because when you're walking around and you're looking at things, the way that you interact with objects is by like flicking the stick that also makes you look. So I was finding that I was like, I guess not flicking in just the right direction, but I would like flick. And instead of interacting with the thing, I would look away. (laughs) I was like, damn it. (laughs) It, It's the weirdest. It's very weird. It's the weirdest thing that stands out on this, on this game. And all of, uh, all of the games that uh, the studios worked on has used a similar, format all the way back to quantum dream i think it's or something like that or indigo prophecy yeah indigo prophecy and and it's uh i think it's i i don't know what it is i don't know why they're doing it i would find myself accidentally triggering stuff not that it mattered but uh, i just like oh i must have triggered a scene but no i was just holding the look button in a way that accidentally triggered like the the interaction with it with a mm-hmm. with an element but it was it never stood out. It was not, and it's not a game breaker. I mean, again, like if it's if no, we just I had just, to name something, it's just that that stood out to just, me as well. Yeah, it it just caused these really weird moments for me because it's like this isn't a combat game, mm-hmm. so it's not like at any point 
was I like using X to punch enemies or something? It's it's like it, they weren't making use like those buttons are used during um, like your conversations. Mm -hmm. But just as you're walking around the room, at least in the demo, there was nothing. There was no use of those buttons. So I'm just like, why don't you just use X to interact with things like every other game ever? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why this weird control flicky thing? <laughs> yeah, it's uh. Everything else about the controls feels really, really good and solid, and I love the way the UI kind of pops up. And even I thought most people, I thought I would hate this, but I actually think that anytime you interact with a touch screen, you're using the touchpad, and it's it's very responsive. It's simple stuff like it's swipe down, swipe left, swipe right, and it's it's kind of neat as an adventure game to to get outside of the norm. And I think that's what they're trying to do with the you know simulating the movement of of bending down and picking up and I don't like that, but I do like sort of the emulating of the touchpad. I thought that was really cool. Like it just felt it was it felt novel in a way to kind of like, oh, this is kind of neat. I'm, I'm mixing things up. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that was cool. I thought. Yeah, I just I just felt that it was a little bit clunky and, mm -hmm. and took me out of the moment a little bit because it's like I had to make sure I was like perfectly lined up. And then I was like, OK, like hands off the sticks. <laughs> Flick. <laughs> Nobody so, touched the sticks. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it minor gripe. You might be able to go in and change it. I did. Like I said, I didn't go and look into the options. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get as many playthroughs as I could in my very, very limited playtime this week. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, like I said, I played through the scenario a couple different times. And as someone who's never played their games before, because I didn't even get a PlayStation until um, I think it was right around the time that until Dawn came out. So that would have been like. 2014 I think yeah I think or early missed. 2015 but I like I missed the majority of you know PlayStation releases um so I've never played Heavy Rain before and so I didn't really know what I was doing I'd seen some trailers but I didn't know too much information about the game so like I was just kind of walking around and like, and again with the walking around and the flicking of the control stick and stuff, it was seemed like really easy to miss stuff. Mm. And it might be because I'm so used to games holding my hand. I don't know. Like I'm used to like thinking or like walking around rooms and having like quest objectives have glowy outlines and things like that. And, and I don't know, like I just, I, I missed almost everything the first time through. I found like the gun case on the floor, but then people were yelling at me from the other room and I didn't really, again, I didn't understand like what was popping up. And right. the other thing too, um, when you walked into different rooms, it would like move the story along and I didn't realize it was going to do that. So it was like, I walked from one room into where I thought I was supposed to go, but that was the move the story forward room. And then I had a whole bunch of like my objectives turn up red. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, if you hold up, uh, I think it's the R2 button, it will highlight, it won't highlight every interaction, but it'll highlight clues that deal with your objectives. So like, it's basically robot vision, right? And it'll kind of mm -hmm. highlight like, here's uh I here's do, a look i option. do remember that because mm -hmm. it pointed out the um the dude that i was supposed to go and talk to like the captain or whatever yeah um so i went and talked to him and uh and then i promptly forgot that i even had that ability so maybe uh. that would have highlighted stuff better but anyways like yeah. i said 
I thought I was walking into one room, but it turned out I was actually walking into the main room, which then made it impossible for me to go back for some reason. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the first time I played through, uh, I missed most of that stuff. I also missed, and this was me just being dumb and trying to go quickly and not reading the tutorial stuff that came up on the screen, but I didn't understand how I was filling in the gaps in like the reconstructions that you do. So basically when you um, find in this case, it was a body, you find the body, you kind of find the different evidence points on the body, you scan them and then you can make a recreation. I didn't realize you could spin that recreation around and look at it from like a 3d perspective, which was a really cool effect by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how you filled in some of the blanks. So I was just like, um, there was like a dad holding an iPad, basically. And so I got the iPad part filled in. But then there was another part of the like the reconstruction that I just couldn't fill in. And I was like, I don't understand. Every other time I've done this, I've just pressed triangle and it's filled in magically. Mm-hmm. Why can't I do this? And it's because you have to spin it around to look to where he fell and through yeah. the iPad. And then once you see that, you get the trajectory or whatever, and you can fill in the reconstruction. So it was very, uh, it reminded me of the Batman. I think it might have been Arkham Origins that introduced and then Arkham Knight had as well. It was the detective sort of analyzing mode of looking at mm. a timeline. And and I don't think the whole game is that. I think I think the game is more about interactions and maybe you play as Connor uh, Connor is this android negotiator from the company who makes all these androids, and and I think that's where maybe his all of his stuff will be like this, which is great. Um, I, I think if the whole game was like this scenario in the demo, you you might get a little you know tired of it, but uh, it was it was really neat to to see that sort of detective mode revised in this game because I think it works really well and kind of showcases maybe how the processing might work because you it kind of says like don't run out of time but in your mind every time gameplay pauses that's your that's the robot brain like processing really quickly in my head Mm. but people still yelled at me constantly and there and there is like this little thing that says you know you can do it without someone getting shot or something and maybe you just have to beeline it for the for the room which um whatever but well that was the other thing that, that was confusing me is it was like my objectives were telling me I needed to figure out what happened, but then everyone was yelling at me to get outside and save the kid. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to stay inside and figure out what happened? Am I investigating or am I negotiating? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't. And like when I tried to talk to the captain, I was like, maybe he'll just fill me in. And he's like, who cares what the robot's name is? Blah, 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 blah. Get out of my face. And I was like, well, you're not very helpful. No, (laughs) They weren't even trying. It was weird. It's like you get there and you think, well, there's this android who's taken a a family hostage. He killed the he killed the father. The mother escapes, and all these SWAT cops just standing there getting shot at. Yeah, and they keep getting shot. It's like, okay, first of all, guys, a sliding glass door does not count as cover. I mean, Josh was alluding (laughs) to the fact that maybe Detroit detectives are getting really good. It's just the robots, man. The actual detectives in this game. Not so hot. Like some of them, <laughs> to their to their credit, are using tables as cover, but some of them were literally using a glass sliding door, which, or or those like weird curtains things. Yeah, they're not even using the glass sliding door. Anyways, it's it is a little odd, it, and it it is a demo, and they drop you in zero context uh, for yeah. the most part, 
And I think you're right, like that first playthrough, you're kind of fumbling your way through. But then if you actually slow, allow yourself to slow down and, and on the second pass, it really supports a second playthrough and a third. I, I went through it three times as well to try to try out different, different branching paths and stuff. So okay. it is really neat. So that's my question about the branching paths mm. because all three times I ended up with the same outcome. Okay. And I was like, I thought this game was supposed to be like every choice matters. I made different choices, especially um, comparing my first playthrough to my second playthrough because my first playthrough, I had no information. Like going into the negotiation, I think my I was at like 27% or something like that <laughs> of like chance of, of um, succeeding. So I was like, okay. I've got a 27% chance. I'm probably just going to fail this. I don't even know what happens when I fail, but we'll see. I'm and sure then the kid in... dies is probably. And then so in my second playthrough, I went through absolutely everything. I figured out how to do the reconstructions properly. I had like 79% chance of success going into the ne negotiation the second time. And I still got the same outcome. And mm. I was like, even though I chose like different conversation options, even though I chose like, I mean, I, I took a gun in, which is apparently something I'm not even supposed to have because that's like a law or something. It's robot law. Um, yeah, robot law. So yeah. uh, anyways, like I felt like I made almost all the opposite choices in my second playthrough. Plus, I had this whole wealth of information and then I got the exact same outcome. And I looked at the because uh, at the end of your scenario, and I'm mm -hmm. sure it does this all through the game, it gives you like a map, basically, of all the things that you could have done, could have found, could have unlocked. Yeah. And it shows you like what your path was to navigate the scenario. And then there's a whole bunch of other little white boxes with little red locks on them that show you all the other different paths and how many different branches there are and, and everything else. And you can kind of like trace back to where it is that you branched off so that you can go back and replay it and try to get a different branch by doing something different at that mom moment in time. So I felt like I'd done stuff different and then I got the same ending. So mm. the ending that I got from the scenario was basically I got close enough to the guy on the ledge, but I couldn't actually stop him from jumping. So I kind of go grab the kid, throw her onto the roof and push him at the same time. So I go over the edge and I die, which is apparently still a mission success <laughs> because I'm an android, apparently. So nobody likes me and nobody cares if I die. <laughs> I wonder if you're a if you are a Connor unit and, and you just respawn like I'm it, not sure because there was um, there was two different difficulty levels that you could choose from. It was um, casual or. I can't remember the name of the other one, but it wasn't like hard. It was like, like ex experienced or experienced might be it because I was going to say extraordinary. And I'm like, I know that's not right. So experienced <laughs> might be it. Um, and one of the um, hallmarks of each difficulty level is it says like high chance to lose characters or low chance to lose characters. So I sure. feel like when your character dies, then that's it you don't play as that person anymore <laughs> yeah and it's in the flow chart that pops up at the end of each each map you can actually pull it up during during the scenario and kind of look at like, oh, okay can you? 
Yeah, and it actually keeps track of what you've done and what you've what you've done previously and what you've done in this playthrough, and you can kind of decide what you want to do next, and it'll it'll show you what clues you've missed. So in that little box that they're all split up, and it's very stylized, but it's if you look closely, you can kind of tell like okay, this is the clue phase, and it says you know searching for clues, and there's a box, and it'll yeah. kind of show you what makes you exit that scenario right so if you find all the clues all the boxes are filled in you have all the information you need and then as long as you don't wait too long and you pop in you should be able to to enter at about 80 percent, which is what i got but i got <laughs> what i just laugh i'm like i talked about my 20 percent and my 70 something well you got 79 like, well i got 80 <laughs> I, I i may be rounding up maybe i am I... good at the game <laughs> I am a robot, okay? We all know this. <laughs> I uh, just require energy. Um, it's So I went in like high 70s, let's say, just for argument's sake, <laughs> high 70s. And I go in and, and I think what I was able to do was I had enough information and I chose the right dialogue choices and I, I, I had the, the robot trust me and I was able to get him to let the girl go, but then the snipers just decimated him. So, ah. so I lived, the girl lived, robot did not. And, <laughs> and, and there are five. And if you look at the flow chart, it tells you how many outcomes there are. And there are little icons yeah. to show like your character died. I got that ending by choosing completely different endings as well. Like I went in with the 80% and, you know, I said different things and he didn't trust me enough. So he, he decided to jump and, uh, I, I was able to so save you got the, girl. the You got the jumping ending too. Twice in a row yeah. by doing exactly what you did, like, trying different options and i didn't quite get the the ending where we both lived and, and he died but then like bombing the interview basically and then he 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 dies off the off the building but i was still able to get close enough i think that's the difference is as long as you get close enough to you know daniel the robot um you're going to be able to save her because i i didn't I didn't want to purposely go back. That's that's another fault of the game. Is like it encourages you to play through again, but it doesn't save your progress. That makes mm. sense. Like it doesn't checkpoint you. Like if I find all the clues, I should have an option to skip past the clue phase and go directly into the interview process. You know that was the that was the part. And I don't know if every single um, level, every single scenario is going to be the same, where you're going to have a clue section and then mm -hmm. an interview section, because that seems like it would get very repetitive very quickly but uh you're right i noticed that as well because it the second playthrough i did mm -hmm. it skipped me past like going up the elevator and going through the fish part like it skipped me right to after i talked to the detective yeah and i was like oh cool so it's gonna give me some um like it's gonna skip me past it's gonna checkpoint me um, but then it didn't do it again. Like once I had collected all the clues, it didn't skip me right to the negotiation. And so having to redo everything once I'd already done it once was really repetitive and wasn't fun. No, definitely um, not fun. Because the part that that has all the different decisions and where the paths truly start to branch are your negotiation. That's mm -hmm. where your conversation is happening. That's where your decisions start to matter. And that's where you can see all the branches just web out to all the different scenario endings. And um, it's so it's kind of interesting. And I know Josh in the chat room is saying, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> I feel like there's so many endings and we're not telling you how we got to any of the endings. So I don't really feel like we're spoiling it. Like you could go 
and play the demo right now and not have any idea like what was going on or how to get from A to B. So I don't feel like we're spoiling too much. Plus, it's a demo. It's, it's only one scenario. And they experience. don't... E you don't even know where you are. It, it was very short. I was surprised. I think I played through the whole thing the first time in like 20 minutes max. Mm -hmm. um, it's a nice bite, yeah, though. So it is, yeah. But it doesn't have any context, so you don't even know where in the game this may or may not be happening, or if this is even in the main game. Um, I know that the Connor character is in the main game, but this this is so small and so short, it could have been created just as a demo, um, just as like Maybe. a proof of concept. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, so... Anyways, what was I saying? Um, uh, robots in playing disguise. Playing through in the checkpoints. Playing through in the checkpoints. Right. Yeah, so I, I agree that if this is the way that all of the scenarios are going to play out, then not having a checkpoint after you've gotten 100% of the clues is probably a mistake because as far as I can tell, in the actual clue portion, um, nothing really revolves around anything else you know like things aren't necessarily tied together mm -hmm. if you found everything like you found everything mm -hmm. so that's kind of you don't need to go and do anything else i guess well although there are a couple of points where you do have a choice to make i guess because i'm thinking specifically we we mentioned the weapon the weapon, so i guess yeah. you could choose do you want to pick it up or do you want to leave it on the ground that's kind of a choice that would potentially impact your choices later on in the negotiation because then you're armed versus not being armed yeah but we, we don't know how complex everything is yeah. in the game so i was about to suggest well just give me a toggle like x for gun uh, circle for i left the gun and and then that can jump me to that point because in right. that instance there is that one choice in that phase but it the game has no problem with you skipping past saving the fish because i saved yeah. the fish and then it's like well you're not gonna let me go back and see what happens when i don't save the fish i'm pretty sure it's just a demo of how choices work so that's yeah. why it has no problem skipping me ahead but i would have liked to see an option to to skip to like you said the negotiation part because the demo is in in three phases in three segments and the first segment is is just introducing you to the game the second segment is basically looking around at clues and, and solving those puzzles and after the first time after the second time you really don't want to do it again and this game is is selling as a selling point is replayability and mm -hmm. when you don't like this must have come up in playtesting to say like guys if this is i would love to replay it five ten different times to see what kind of if I can fill out the flowchart, but I'm not going to do that if I have to go through like the ten clues, so I have all the information at my ready, so I can get the different ending. Like yeah. you're compounding, you know, the, the solution. So I'm not going to go after it unless I have an outcome that I don't like. But I'm still going to have to begrudgingly go back and play it. I'm not going to be happy about it if mm -hmm. I have to redo a bunch of shit that that was fun the first time but i've, I've yeah, seen it but now. it's yeah it's not as fun the second time mm -hmm. um and josh in the chat room is asking uh does that mean that there's a right path and then wrong paths and it's not necessarily right and wrong paths there are a lot of different outcomes and like this scenario as short as it was and as um simplistic as it was there were still five or six different endings that you could possibly get out of the scenario so even though I got the same one each time and, you know, Ryan got 
two of the potential ones. Like there mm-hmm. still were a lot of different potential endings that we could have gotten had we played differently. So if you don't want to lose your characters, so if you don't want a character death, then I would say, yes, there's a right path and a wrong path because the wrong path is obviously going to be for you, the one where your character dies. Right. But if you're, I think it's um, more up to each individual player as to what you think right and wrong paths are, your story's going to continue regardless. So it's not like you're, it's not like you go down the wrong path, air quotes, and you get a uh, game over. It's just those decisions are going to shape your game from then on. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, so it's not so much right and wrong as it is just different. Yeah. I guess your comfort level of, of moving forward with a with a decision you've made and mm-hmm. and I think that this is one scenario where um, a finite amount of things are going to happen but if you watch the trailer and see the different characters it looks like there are other repercussions and maybe those repercussions then filter into other stories and there's like a lot of intertwined stuff so I think it's um it could be very in depth. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And, and I think maybe where they're coming from with the replayability is just the fact that there is that option to quickly head back to, to the start of a, a scenario and, and start it over and, and mm-hmm. see if you, you can find a different outcome. Because I don't think I've ever seen a game where they lay it all out for you and say, like, here's all the stuff in this segment that you can do, find, and discover in terms of story branches. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a nice touch for folks who are obviously just going to look at a game fact wiki or something just to see if, if they found everything. Right. Yeah. Well, and the the other thing we should mention when we're talking about the flow chart is Mm. that everything are like white boxes with locks on them until you actually unlock them. So even Mm. though you can see what the web looks like or what the flow chart looks like, you can't actually see what is behind those until you've found it so it's they're not it's not as spoilery as maybe it sounds Mm -hmm. it's like you can tell in the point of the conversation when you went one way and there was another option to go another way but even then there might be two branches but four conversation options so you're not even told if like three conversations take the left path and one takes the right path like you don't actually know so that kind of makes it even more interesting is like, you know, that at this point in time, there's a decision to be made and there's this is a, a branching point in the timeline, but you don't know what it is that you do to kick it off on one path or the other. It's a it's a trial and error thing, really. Yeah, like you're, yeah. You're, you're jumping in and you know, well, I used this piece of information last time and then that led down a more trusted branch. Let's see if I can kind of like upend this android's behavior and try some different paths and and i think i think you're right in that it was a little frustrating not frustrating but a little disappointing when you you felt well i'm gonna swing in the other direction and find you just swing all the way back and and again it could be directly related to one action that you did similarly but felt as though that was the right thing to do like approaching slowly was an objective to get close enough to yeah. make that leap and and maybe you did that both times but your conversations were wildly different because mm-hmm. the difference i saw in terms of the 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 choices that got to the same ending and and man we're we're, we're really going over this demo it is a lot of fun and i'm sure the main game will be awesome too but i was just thinking the same thing i was like guys we're, if anything we're dissecting we this have, a lot 
Well, yeah, but I mean, we have spent like 20 minutes talking about hmm. a demo that took 20 minutes. There's there's a lot to this game. It is a lot of fun. There's a lot of thought that goes into it when you're playing it. I feel like um, if you played Heavy Rain, just looking at comments in the chat room, if you played Heavy Rain and hmm. you liked it, you're probably going to like this because it does seem to be down that same vein of gameplay style. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's a very, very pretty game, and we've spent a lot of time talking about it, and the demo was very small and very short and yeah. still very robust. So um, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to give it a shot next Friday. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say I would highly recommend it, but I don't know how highly you can recommend a game just from a demo, but it's very visually pretty, too, that, which I liked. That's the point of a demo, right, is, is yeah. to, to get people to to check out the game, and I, and I think certainly check out the demo. There's no harm in it. Um, outside of a data cap, but I think uh, I pre-ordered this one during E3 last year. So I, unless I hit I that cancel button, about it during E3 last year because mm. it stars one of the guys from Grey's Anatomy, who Jesse Williams, who I find to be totally dreamy, and his like exact replica is in the game. So I'm he, just like, I'm getting this. <laughs> he plays the the anarchist robot. I think he's in the trailer. Yeah, he is in the trailer. I don't know who you know mcdreamboat is it's not mcdreamboat right no it's no it's mcdreamy and no it's not <laughs> can we call him mcdreamboat we can now <laughs> perfect i look forward to controlling every move of mcdreamboat uh that sounds really really creepy and weird it did but... it did well you know what if there's one I think thing it sounded better in your head <laughs> it did everything does really um no i'll be checking this game out as well so we'll probably probably look to talk about it in a couple weeks right so that's yep. that's exciting very exciting as is weekly news desk it's returning from hiatus and it's a podcast all about the geek news this week you can join your two knucklehead hosts andrew and simon as they keep you informed on movies tv video games and books you can find them on itunes or at weeklynews.com also wanted to remind everybody that you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in if you'd like to support the show you can also join our conversations over on discord at bit.ly slash tgi discord that brings us to our topic of the week this week. We are talking about Microsoft's newly announced adaptive controller. So this was a culmination of a whole bunch of internal engineering. Oh, what did they call it? Like hackathons or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it basically came out of the idea that people took the Xbox Elite controller, which I believe has a $160 price tag on it. And we're basically using the modular functions of it. So you could basically like swap out parts and all kinds of stuff to make a controller that was more accessible for people with disabilities. So Microsoft kind of took that idea and internally ran with it and partnered with a, a bunch of special interest groups to create this new adaptive controller. And this looks so freaking cool. Mm -hmm. It's such a neat idea. Basically, it's um, almost like a, a game pad. Almost, it looks like just a little bit smaller than a keyboard. I think they said it's just over a foot wide. Hmm. And it has two large touch pads as well as a few smaller buttons down the side and a directional pad. But then it has 3.5 millimeter jacks, I believe. And I think there's 19 of them. And each of them um, corresponds to a traditional Xbox controller input. So it's fully compatible with most of the accessibility um, 
peripherals that are currently available on the market. So you can use it with things like foot pedals. You can use it with, um, there's a, I think they said that like a straw that you can use as a quadriplegic to play video games that yeah. like uses air pressure to figure out what you're doing, <laughs> which yep. I think is so cool. Yeah, there are, there it. The, the I, I don't know the you know the technical terms, but the straw mechanic that was detailed in, in these articles and videos is used, you know, it, it can be used for wheelchair control, it can be used for, I, I knew a company, I worked with a company that did um, uh, assisted uh, sailing, like, uh, it was like, sail, it was like something sailability, anyways, they, they had a lot of sailboats that were controlled, you know, through the, the straw method as well, so like, there's a lot of like hackathon is a great way to describe this because there hasn't been sort of a an availability of these tools like they're kind of spread all over and the mm -hmm. fact that microsoft and it's taken this long for a major platform to come around and say hey this is a controller for gamers that need a little extra assistance playing a game because when you look at the the evolution of a controller it's only gotten more and more complex which makes it harder and harder for for people to play even folks who who may have complete control in, uh, of their left hand but have no control of their or, or limited control of their right hand it becomes impossible to to play most games because you can only mm -hmm. control half of half of it so they even add a cool feature of it's like copilot where you can use the controller and it's it merges the input of the controller and the uh, accessible or the adaptive controller. So you can use the adaptive controller pads and whatever pedals that you've you've used to plug in, as well as you know the controller. So it's all working together in a way that is sort of seamless, as opposed to before, <laughs> where you you had to kind of hack it all together in order mm -hmm. to play a game. So f like you and I, we take this for granted, where we can just sit down and, and play video games. Um, but there are organizations out there that, that Microsoft worked with to create this controller to fit existing, uh, you know, adaptive uh, controllers options, right? So it's really cool that mm. you now have this interface for your Xbox that works with maybe all of this tech that is very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not cheap, you know? Um, and the fact that there are 19 inputs on the back kind of goes to show how why it can be expensive for gamers uh that require that extra assistance you know so mm -hmm. it's really and there's cool. also yeah i believe there's also a couple of usb inputs on the sides mm -hmm. as well so they really did go for as much compatibility as they possibly could which i think is really cool for just for the cost reason that you mentioned mm -hmm. they're also making it i believe it costs a hundred dollars so they're making it a little bit more affordable for just the kind of base adaptive controller um, and when you were talking about the co-pilot um, functionality, I find that's really, really neat. So you can have like one person essentially playing like the left side of the controller mm -hmm. and another person playing the right side of the controller. And together you're making one input and you're controlling the game. And because this controller mimics all of the inputs of a traditional Xbox controller from a base software level, all of the games available on the Xbox are compatible with the adaptive controller, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Obviously, it's going to take a little bit of configuration, but from a baseline controller input perspective, you can set it up so that it works just like a normal controller. So you actually have access to all 
existing games. You don't have to like the, there's nothing on any gaming company to create like an accessible mode or anything like that. It works just like a normal controller. So yeah, it's and, awesome. And this is Xbox and Windows 10. So if you're a PC yeah. gamer, you yeah. also have that option on Windows 10. And there are some videos, uh, and this is going to be sappy, but there are videos on the Polygon site that are that are developed by Microsoft to kind of showcase this controller, and it's 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 very uh, it's a very happy, sad kind of you know video where you're seeing you know these folks who love to play video games and are now getting to use this controller and having to you know before having to 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 struggle to to play video games now can use this controller and they're they're telling these stories where you know there's these twin brothers one of which is uh you know requires the controller and the other you know who can use a a regular controller and they're playing together and there's that moment of of glee that we all feel when we we're playing our favorite video game and you see this moment for these folks that that may have may or may not have been able to play uh before they were introduced to these controllers and it, it's a really it's a really cool moment to see so i highly recommend I have, such, I have such a love-hate relationship with videos like that because it's just like <laughs> on the one hand it's like heartwarming but then on the other hand like sometimes it just makes me so like sad and you have these just intense conflicting emotions that i'm like i purposely didn't watch any of the oh. actual videos i was just like you know what I'm okay without this. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I don't mind them. I, I think they they really showcase the the true nature of the controller because I think for you and I, it can be tough to understand what these controllers actually do. Not from a functionality standpoint, but from a from a gameplay standpoint. They're allowing someone who has who's found it hard to play video games before. You know, this is this is a step beyond. Like you know, we see the the colorblind modes and and, mm-hmm. and the assistive gaming settings in games now. This is above and beyond where where people it's not just you know a colorblind mode it's it's a whole controller and it's it does n- seem nice like see. quite a quite a leap hmm. considering like I feel like colorblind modes in video games is something that people have only been talking about for the last couple of years so to feel like we've gone from putting a couple of different colors in a game with a toggle switch to creating an entire piece of hardware meant to help everyone enjoy what we take for granted. It just, it seems like, and I'm, I'm happy we made the leap, but it mm-hmm. seems like it, it kind of came out of nowhere from a large company, yeah. which is, which is nice. It's like, it's like a nice, happy surprise. <laughs> I think Microsoft and, and this we've, we, I've complained about this in the past is that Microsoft doesn't have enough games but they're doing they're doing something that a lot of companies aren't doing and they're trying to create these systems and these platforms and these services that just empower the gamer as best they can you know i think game pass is a great example of something that empowers the gamer of to give them choice you know to try something out at a at a discounted price and and you know you're renting this these games and and the the adaptive controller is another great example of you know, Microsoft putting gamers first. And, and I really still believe that content is king. And if you don't have content, it kind of doesn't matter what 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 you're doing, but it, it does still matter. Like, I think this is a great example of something that, that matters. And it's not taking away from developing games. Uh, I, it's a t- totally different team. So I'm not trying to make that leap, but I think it's important that Microsoft get their, their kudos. And Microsoft's not going anywhere. They... They have money, you know. They're not they're not <laughs> leaving just because they spend time on a controller and not on Halo Six. Like 
that's not what I'm saying. I think it's great to see them putting gamers first and empowering gamers in a way that makes sense. And it's you're right. It's been a long time coming. I think that this is a first of of many as as game uh, gamers start to require this. And and I think it puts Microsoft top of top of the list in terms of you know a lot of gaming charities who are who are going to look to. Um, put Xboxes in in hospitals for for game night, as was seen in in one of the videos, because now they can they can play with a with a controller that they know has been made f- for them. So it's it's mm-hmm. really exciting to see this leap, and I hope that you know PlayStation and and uh, or Sony and Nintendo kind of look at this and think like maybe there's something they can do as well to mm-hmm. to help out, or even looking at this as an option and maybe adapting something similar. It it would be really neat to see that. And, and maybe Sony already has something like that. But um, yeah, this is kind of, I think from the article says, this is the first sort of decently priced, you know, integrated option that's out there. You mm-hmm. know? So it's really, it was kind of heartwarming to see it kind of pop out of nowhere. It's like, oh, this is, this is really interesting. This is something they could have thrown in at E3 for, for bonus points, but they decided to make sure that this was known you know, ahead of time and, and that everyone, I think it leaked as well, but it was still nice to see it come out and, and get its own limelight instead of being like, uh, you know, uh, smooshed in with everything yeah, else, buried with everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so it's, it's, it's really cool. I think everyone should check it out. Cause it's, it's important to know about this stuff and, and it kind of falls in line with the charity work that we do with, uh, we, with extra, extra life. life. Right. So it's kind of neat. I think that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Stream, uh, if you'd like to visit us on the web, you can do so at gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of our episodes will be streamed on Thursdays normally mm-hmm. at 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are also available after the fact on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you think about Detroit become human once you get your hands on it, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers and remember, tune in next week. Bye guys. Bye everyone. Here we go.